you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Kelly Richardson Lawson. I'm a mother, a wife, and an entrepreneur. I started the Sunrise Project after our beautiful teenage son attempted to take his own life. Truth is, I'm tired. My husband and I felt despair, isolation, and immeasurable pain. I knew in my heart we needed a place for Black parents to share their struggles, find mutual support, and help our beloved children who struggle with mental wellness, addiction, or both. Each weekly podcast features an expert who shares their knowledge and takes questions from parents and children. Take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. The Sunrise Project allows Black families, like ours, to find comfort in knowing that we are not alone. While the purpose of the Sunrise Project is to share, support, and uplift, this conversation is not a substitute for medical advice. Finding the right healthcare professional for your family's specific needs is crucial. If you do not feel seen or heard, you should speak to more than one professional to find the right fit. So welcome again to our weekly Sunrise Project call. I am happy you're here, and I hope that we all find a moment of peace and solace as we come together in a safe space that's filled with love and compassion and a willing to heal ourselves first and also our families and our children. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. This morning, I'm delighted to welcome back Beverly Kearney uh, to the Sunrise Project Village. I'd like to just take a moment to share with you uh, how special she is and who she is, and then I'll turn it over to Coach Bev. So Beverly Kearney, who is affectionately known as Coach Bev, and I met um, in 2007 when I was first moving to Austin, Texas, and we met in a neighborhood. We were both house hunting and we have been friends ever since and i really do believe that there was a divine connection that particular day in austin texas when we met uh it has been powerful having her as a mentor and a coach and a friend ever since then coach bev is one of those rare visionary stars who believes that greatness exists within everyone her passion and gift for coaching consulting and mentoring young and old, has inspired individuals and groups to achieve their greatest successes. Recognized as one of the most successful coaches in NCAA history, Bev has been inducted to various halls of fame as a sports legend, including the prestigious International Women's Sports Hall of Fame. Her record of seven national championships is one of the highest among African-American and female coaches in the country. She was a BET Honors Award recipient for the Legacy Award for Education, along the likes of the Tuskegee Airmen, Stevie Wonder, and the late Dr. Maya Angelou. She was also honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award from Auburn University 
marking only the second time in history that a woman has received that award and the first African-American in history to receive the award. Coach Bev served as head coach of the University of Texas and the University of Florida track and field teams as an assistant coach at the University of Tennessee, the University of Toledo, and Indiana State University. The men and women she has coached throughout her 30 plus year career stand out as some of America's best athletes with over 15 Olympians and several world collegiate and American record holders. Those many, many, many accolades do little justice, however, to her ability to motivate, empower, and coach others, including myself, to achieve our goals and find our peace and our purpose. In fact, she has a book titled Believe It, Speak It, Do It, and it's focused on finding peace within our purpose. And I was sharing with Bev this morning that there's a particular passage in this book that I do highly recommend that I just want to share um, to set up our conversation for today. There's a passage that says, throughout life's journey, we all encounter circumstances and have experiences that challenge us. It is through those challenges that we find and define who we are and our intents in life. Through my own experiences, I have learned that facing fears, challenges, and shortcomings will teach, empower, and strengthen us. Yet when avoided, they eventually distract, defeat, and weaken us. No one wants to admit to being fearful because we are taught that fearlessness is a strength and fear is a weakness. Neither is true. Our greatest strength is not in being fearless. It is having the courage to face and examine our fears and move beyond them. And that is what we have all been working toward together as this village called the Sunrise Project. So with that, I'd like to turn it over to Coach Bev, who's going to talk with us this morning about overcoming our fears, focusing on self-care, despite the challenges that we are facing, uh, and ways we can move forward with our journey of finding peace and purpose. So with that, Bev, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to turn it over to you. I'm excited to be here. I, I'm, I'm going to I address things from the visceral part of our being, which is the core of who we are not from the mental, not from the scientific, not from the intellectual. All of that is blended in under the foundation of who we are and who we are are very spiritual beings living a human life. That we have to embrace first. We are very spiritual human beings, which means we're very powerful human beings. We have been given this thing out of all the species that walk the face of the earth, we've been given this beautiful gift that sometimes feels like a curse called free will, meaning that we have the ability to think. And sometimes our thought processes don't work in harmony with our spiritual beings. And anytime you have two opposing forces, which is spirit and ego, or the thoughts don't work in harmony, or your words don't work in harmony, and your actions don't work in harmony with your desired outcome, whichever those conflicts are, you know, because I, 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 I'm going to start with Kelly on this. Kelly said earlier in our conversations, private conversation, and I, I know Kelly doesn't mind me sharing this. She says, I hope this happens with my son. That's a conflict of interest. 
just by utilizing the word hope means there's a possibility that it won't be. And that works in opposition of our spiritual being, which says what God said he will do, he will do. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. But our mental thought processes goes back and we re we recollect on all the times it didn't work out in our favor when we wanted it to and how we wanted it to. And so there's that doubt that builds up. And that doubt isn't in effect in the, in the moment. That doubt is projected into the future. It's about, I worry that my child won't do this in the future, won't be successful, won't be happy. I worry about, worry is not present. It's a decision in the present, but our worry is about in the future. If we can have faith and if we can have knowing and if we can walk in our spiritual journey in the moment, that's where we begin to work in harmony with our doubts and fears. So I want you to take a moment and we're gonna inhale, hold and slowly exhale. And I want you to take a moment and do that three times. Close your eyes. And on the last breath, I'm gonna give you an instruction. So do that three times on your own to reset. I want you to remember the last conflict you had with your child. I want you to remember that one moment. The last moment of conflict you had with your child. And I wanna ask a question. What did he or she do? Cause that's the first question we always, we, that's the first thing we always talk about. What they did that we didn't embrace, we didn't like, we didn't think was in their favor. But if I were working with any of you, that's not the first question I would ask. The first question I would ask is what did you do? Did you respond or did you react? Did you turn it over to the faith and knowing that you said, God, I need your help with this. I know you have us. Or did you say, or did you put on your tool belt or your cape and did you go in to fix it? Because a lot of times we go in with this mindset that this is not acceptable and it is absolutely not beneficial behavior. I'll be the first to tell you. But how beneficial is our response or our reaction to our well-being? You know, we can get into this whole cycle. I, I have a friend, and I won't name her, but every positive thing that she can put in front of her son, she does. And I remember going to her house and she says, can you talk to my son? And the answer is, yes, I can. But that's not the question. The question is, is your son in a place where he's willing to listen? Or does he already know why you're having people talk to him? It's because he's broken. You see, our intent is to fix. 
And we don't have that authority in someone else's life. We have the authority in our own. And at some point we have to become and take ownership of our own faith. This is one of the things I've found through my journey. And I don't know how beneficial this point of reference will be for you is this. Yes, God has the power to turn it around, but only when I get him permission to turn me around first. Because the more I worry, the more I fret, the more I fear, I'm literally working in opposition of my goal. And how do I know when I'm doing that? It's because I take ownership of having to create an environment to fix that person as opposed to living in the faith of knowing that God has us. So we have to begin to relinquish control and allow God to work through us and sometime in lieu of us to assist our loved ones on their journey. There are so many ways that we all go through it. And sometimes because we're on the other side of our own personal struggles when we were growing up or the struggles we saw other people, we always fear that our loved ones will end up like the person that we witnessed who didn't make it through their struggles. No, I want to become part of the solution by envisioning my child, which was my daughter, adopted or not, that's my child, who went through numerous counseling, numerous suicidal attempts. She, she, she said, I don't, I don't want to take the antidepressants, so I'm going to smoke weed. And I finally had to tell her, okay, so you smoking weed, but let's just be real about the realness of you smoking weed. You smoking weed when you ain't even depressed. So you using the weed for recreational feeling to mask the feelings you don't want to feel. And I'm okay with it. I'm not going to fight you on it. So then one day she calls me up and she goes, I'm no, I'm not, I, I decided I need to maybe stop smoking weed so much and I'm going to vape. And I told her vaping has negative components to it. But if that's what you want to do, do you. And as she began to vape, I prayed about it. I said, God, you got it. I see you removing one thing. I know you'll remove another. I see you removing one thing. I see you removing another. And eventually she called me and it took a minute. It took a minute for me to really, I had to work not on fixing her. I had to work on staying in my belief system. I had to work on staying in my faith system. I had to start to evolve into my knowing and trust. And the only way you can get to knowing is to trust the same God that elevated you beyond your obstacles, which may not be as severe as your child's. Granted, but who are we to decide who's more severe than another? But God elevated you beyond yourself. I have to put my trust in that God that my God will elevate my child beyond her challenges. She finally called me and said, you know what, Mom? I decided I need to stop all that vaping. I was like, okay. 
The same response I gave her when she told me she was doing it is the same love, re lovingly response I gave her when she said she didn't. I didn't elaborate. I didn't say, yeah, you, you, I'm glad you stopped because. I just simply gave her the same loving response. Okay, what's next? When my child called and said, I want to be this, this, and this, and I guarantee y'all over the last 10 years, she has changed her mind 9,000 times. And every 9,000 time that she called, I said, wow, that's good. Mm. I'm happy for you. And if you need me, let me know. Now, I know some of y'all, I ain't gonna name no names, get all invested in that moment because you done projected in the future what this could do for your child to elevate them up beyond their issues. And they ain't serious about that moment because they don't know they self yet. They don't know life yet. So when they, you go in and you start saying, well, let me do this to encourage, to make sure they do that. Okay, now that's called manipulation of intent. You don't have that authority in their lives anymore. Mm. And now all of a sudden you've put yourself in a worry and a stress environment. Now let's examine the worry and the stress. The worry and the stress now projects itself because it's all energy. It's mm. all energy because I projected and interjected myself into the scenario. Now it ain't just about him or her. It's about the us and the more us, it's me. So now I start this whole process of making sure you stay on track for your dream. Mm -hmm. The loving component of that is I'm here if you need me. And if you change your mind, I'm here if you need me. Can you just go back to the, the marijuana and the vaping part when yes, you please. just said, okay, how, I think uh, you're saying you said, okay, in a loving space, even though you're against it, but you never yes, articulated absolutely. that. Not ever. Just completely. I, said, faith, I don't faith. think that this, I, I, what I try to do is let her know. I know when I said, okay, I agree that you have some depressive issues. And if you feel like this is something that you're going to do as in lieu of the medication, I understand. But let me be very clear with you that you are not using marijuana for your depression at this point. It is completely recreational. And, and that's not okay, but I understand and I just need you to know that I know. You did I say that's not you okay. You did articulate it's not okay with me, but I'm going to acknowledge. I did not say it's not okay with me. I just simply said, and that's not okay. I see. Because the moment I make it about me and how it's impacting me, because that's what I had to learn to get beyond. I am this positive person with a depressed child. I motivate people, but I can't motivate my child. 
Who is all of that about? Me, how it reflects on me. And I had to say, this is not about me. And so once I remove myself from the environment, then I can begin to love and support her wherever she is in her journey. Because some people get there really fast. Some people come out of the womb with an agreement with God that this is what I'm going to do. We all do. But sometimes the other ones come out with the agreement that, God, I'm going to get there, but I'm going to take the long route. And I will tell my child, I said, you're going to be okay. You are okay. I said, but you have decided somewhere along your journey that you are going to take the harsher roads of learning your lesson. And at some point, you're going to get hit in the head so many times by your decisions that you're going to say, oh, that ain't working out for me. So I planted seeds along the way that the aha moments can occur. See, the aha moments don't just occur naturally. Somebody, through the grace of God, plants those angels. Now, what we sometimes do when it's about us, we decide who those angels are, and we tell this person, oh, yeah, that positive thing you said to me, say it to my son. But your son is not in a space where he and God or she and God has decided that that's the message they needed in the moment. So it's going on shallow seeds. So you're planting a seed in the shallow ground. It won't take harvest. But if you plant seeds of love, there's always enough depth of soil because all things of God is planted through love. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. If I plant with intent to alter this person's journey as opposed to support this person's journey through what I'm planning in love. You see, Kelly, you and I talked about this and you said it would be okay to use this as an example. So I'm going to use this as an example. I was at Kelly's home and Kelly had this, oh, the cake was just, her mother made this amazing cake. And she, and she gave me a piece of the cake and then gave her son a piece of the cake. And he had just come home. So I was grateful he and was he home. And he had just come home mm-hmm. and she was grateful, but then a conflict arose because he didn't want to eat the cake. She wanted him to eat the cake. And then I, I listened and this is how it sounded when she put the plate down. You basically saying I threw it down in front of her, mad. Is that what you No, it wasn't mad. It was a gesture. And then we had a conversation where I gave him the cake. He he didn't want to eat the cake. And I, if he doesn't want to, if he doesn't, would you like a piece of cake as well? It's really good. And if he says no, okay. Because I'm not invested in his decision. I'm not hoping, you know, it goes back to what was the intent of the nice act? Was it in celebration that he came home? Was it in relief that he came? None of those things matter. At this point, this is a, a you give him the same, the cake because you gave it to me because it was so good. You wanted to share it with someone you love. And whether if I had said, 
Kelly, you know, I'm I'm not eating sweets right now, which which ain't gonna happen. But I'm just throwing that out there just as a sidebar. But if I don't want the cake right now, you said, oh, and I said, but I really appreciate you thinking enough of me to offer me the cake. That's an adult answer. But if I don't feel that that is being offered in love from my perspective, not from your intent of your of, of yours, but the actions we have people speak to our children, it needs to be at a time when they're receptive. Now, I stopped telling my daughter all the negative things that she was doing and how negatively it would impact. Because I realized this generation, and then I went back and researched it, this generation, as a coach, I realized it. I've watched generation to decades and decades of kids. I've seen the transformation. They absolutely do not respond to negativity well. So when we give them the projection that this could not turn out well for them, or we punish them, it doesn't impact their decision-making processes. And sometimes we do it in a, we, we do a, I call it a negative positive. Well, if you do this and this and this, great things are gonna happen. If I don't see greatness for myself in that moment, then what you're telling me is I'm not great already. So what I had to start to do was to change my narrative, especially when I deal with young people. Not you're going to do great, but you are great in this moment. Because I need, if I'm going to walk, and I go back to the resurrection, what God said he will do, he will do. Our problem is God don't move on our timeline in the manner that we want it done. So I have to see greatness in my child. My child could read at two years old, which is unusual. So she's always been brilliant, but somehow she created a narrative because she was lazy and said, I'm not smart enough to do this. I'm not smart enough. And it became such a mantra for her that she actually believed it. So I would tell her this, I don't really care what you're not doing. I don't care how poor your decisions may or may not be, but you're smart. I wouldn't change my narrative to fit hers. Sometimes we have to see beyond the moment if we're truly walking in our spiritual faith and see the greatness in them in spite of the actions that we see. And sometimes I have to remove myself. I'd be like, okay. Cause she used to tell me you passive aggressive. I said, I know that's cause I don't want to tell you what's in my mind. So I decided just to shut up. So I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> I'm not going to deny it. No, I'm not. No, I'm, no, don't lie to them. The, the being quiet. Tell them the truth. The shut about up the part's moment. the hardest part, Beth. The shut up part's the hardest part. No, because we feel like we have to be in charge of somebody else's journey. And at a certain point, mm. they've come to a point where they have the ability and they have an agreement with God the same way we all had an agreement with God at some point. I went through very similar experiences as my sisters and brothers. My journey turned out completely different than theirs. It's because 
I latched on to every positive thing I could find. They latched on to every negative thing that they found. So what I'm saying to you is as difficult as this journey is, the person that we have to be greater stewards of is ourselves. Because it's so easy that once we start to project the possibilities of this present behavior into their future, we become com compliant to the stresses which creates a non-loving environment. If I truly am gonna walk this, this journey of loving faith, I'm gonna love you where you are. And in my book, I talked about my mother. My mother, Sunday through Thursday, because sometimes you didn't make it to Friday. So Sunday through Thursday, she was angelic because she didn't drink. Sometimes she started on Thursday, always on Friday. Friday and Saturday, when my mother drank, fights, throwing stuff, cussing, violence, aggression. And then Sunday, we'd actually do family outings. We'd gamble together at the table, play cards. We'd go to a trip, go to the beach, have a picnic. We did all these family things on Sunday and the rest of the week, it'd be, baby, I love you, or, you know, you do this, or mm-hmm, I'm so proud of you. And then on Thursday or Friday, all hell would break out. I had to learn to accept where they were because I love my mother. I couldn't hate the person on the weekend and then turn around and be able to love her on Sunday and Monday. I had to love her through all of this and accept that this is who she is in this moment. And eventually my mother got where she just stopped drinking. So what I'm saying to you is, Today, they okay. Today, they're alive. Mm -hmm. Today, you know where they are. Today, they may not be doing things that you agree with, but they ain't in jail. Right. They're not in the hospital. They, they, they are, are fairly healthy. They are not doing harm to others. I had to realize the damage my daughter was doing was part of her growth process. And it was only mainly to herself. And when she came at me a couple of times, I had to tell her, we don't do that in this house. That's not acceptable. Either you don't communicate or you find a better way to communicate. And I'm okay with either. Right, right. But this is not what we're going to do. I, I stopped this because the more I did this the more I'm not working in harmony not just with her but I'm not working in harmony with the spiritual faith that I have of we celebrate the resurrection so God is saying if I can lift mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the dead the physically dead I can resurrect any dream or dreamer so I started to take every time she'd say, oh, I was thinking I want to do this. There's a dream there. There's, there's, there's a dream there. Go ahead, God, I see you. And then she shift again. And then there'd be no action. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And then there would be action again. And because I didn't just keep going in and out, like I told you about my mother, I didn't go in and out. I didn't hate her when she was drunk and, 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 and love her less. I loved her through it all, but I learned that when she's in those moments, step back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I had to learn to have a short memory because so much was happening throughout my journey that I didn't have time to reflect upon what happened yesterday. I had to, I had to be focused on what happened today. How can I find a moment to love you? Now, let's examine that word love. And I know I'm, I'm, I don't want to go over, but let's examine that word love. I do want to have allow people to ask questions yes. as well. Love, I just sure. want to say this, and then I'm mm -hmm. going to open it up. And I, I got two more things to say. Love. Love isn't in doing. Love isn't in what you say. Love is the energy you put behind what you're doing. Love is the energy by which you move through the process of speaking. Love is the foundation of your thoughts, your words, your deeds. So I can, have, have, have you ever needed a friend to do you a favor and that favor was done begrudgingly? Or you have that friend that when you, when they do something for you, you side eye because you say, okay, they want something. And sometimes your child will do that to you. So my daughter had a habit of that. Like she would be really nice. I said, okay, she about to ask for something. So guess what I started saying when she'd be nice? Oh, thank you very much. But it wouldn't change what I was going to answer with whatever she was going to ask. I just started accepting that I had a nice moment. I didn't have an expectation that the next moment was going to be nice. I didn't have an expectation that, that her behavior in that moment means that everything was going to be in that direction in the future. I just, I learned to accept in that moment, we had a great day. We had a great time. We had a great conversation, but I didn't project what that conversation would do into the future. I learned to stay very present and enjoy what moment I had. But the person I realized I had to do the most work on was myself. If I can stay in my place of peace and not get my emotions and my emotions are tied to my ego, involved in it, I'm going to be very strategic because you can't tell me that everybody on this call, if they stepped outside their emotions and their egos, can't out strategize their own child, can't plant seeds that they know is going to benefit that child in the long run, and can't be the example of what love is in spite of. Because the behavior literally started to diminish because I wouldn't move from my place of love. And even when I couldn't stay in that place of love, I acknowledged it. No, I'm not talking to you right now because I don't wanna say what I'm thinking because what I'm thinking is not beneficial to either one of us because I have to carry that anger and that frustration in me. And now it starts to permeate itself and draw negativity back into me. Next thing you know, I'm not just stressed, I'm depressed. Because now I'm starting to think about every, everything that ain't going to go right, they ain't been right, ain't going to be right with them, how it's affecting everybody else. The next thing you know, I'm piling on to me. And now I'm no longer part of God's solution. God is no longer working through me. God needs to work for me to help me so that I can help other people. So I, some, I, I will let them know, no, 
I'm not in that place to speak right now. And I'm okay with that. But yes, please let them know truth. Always tell them the truth. This is not acceptable because this is a home of love. This is not what we do. This is not how we treat each other. This is not acceptable here. What you do out there, do you out there, but you won't bring that in here. This is our space. And our space is this. Mm. And that's the most difficult thing to do. Now, what is the greatest challenge? You cannot find peace within your purpose if you are projecting. There's no peace in the future. It's too unpredictable, too many variables, and we're not in the right frame of mind. So if I can just keep working, I'm all right right now. My child is alive. My child is breathing. My child ain't done no harm to nobody. The most damage they're doing is in this house and to themselves. And then I had to start working to not be damaged by their damaging selves. So draw the line. No, it's not acceptable here. But draw that line with this and be consistent in it. And if and be forgiving of yourself if you blow up. That's called human. Mm-hmm. If I blow up, I blew up. And they're going to come back and tell you, well, you, you blew up or you hurt my, or you, mm-hmm, I sure did. That's great. Thank you for that. Lovingly get over whatever mistakes you make mm-hmm. because your mistakes isn't, you can't justify it by saying where well, they were so this and they were so that. No, I, it's, not, it's not who I choose to be at this moment. I did it, so be it. So if we interject ourselves and we begin to try to manipulate and try to fix, as opposed to if we just walk, we'll know exactly what to do and when to do it in a way that is most beneficial to ourselves and into the persons that we love. And that's very, very, I'll be the first to tell you, living in the presence is very difficult because we're either thinking about what they did, what we did, or what might happen in the future. And if I can give 100% today of trust and faith in not just myself, but in my child, if I can every day wake up and say, they're going to be okay. They are, they are okay. Not they're going to be okay. They are okay. Because that's where I started. I started, she's going to be okay, right? She's going to be okay, right, God? And I kept getting back. She is okay. She is okay. And when I started living in that moment of she's okay today, she's okay. My daughter no longer lives with me and she calls almost every single day now. And she, she called recently and said, because she used to always tell me, I'm not like you. I ain't forgiving. <laughs> she called me one day about a couple of months ago and said, I decided I needed to be more forgiving and not carry so much. Don't know where it came from. And she said, and I find myself telling my friends stuff you've said to me. And this was when she was in high school, I would tell her all these things. So it took a while for it to register, but it does register. But it only registers and cements itself when it's done in love in the moment. Like, God, I'm planting the seed that you've given me to plant in her. Do, do I get frustrated? Do I get angry? I have to acknowledge I'm pissed off right now, God. You know it. 
you know that behavior ain't right. You know what she just did and what she just said, and she just stepping in here and being rude. But the more I reacted negatively to it, it's almost like they revel in that conflict because mm-hmm. then they get to blame you. That's right. They flip the blame. Well, there's not they really blame. blame. It's just staying in a space of love is the real key takeaway. Staying in a space it's of the love. Takeaway. And understanding Mm-hmm. that we celebrate the resurrection, which means I began to celebrate the goodness of my child and her successes as opposed to looking at the reality in the moment, the earthly, worldly reality that she's not, she's not doing what she needs to be doing and she's doing things that are counterproductive. And that's a very difficult challenge because as a coach, I have to project and see the goodness in every athlete in spite of the fact that they're losing right now. That's what's, that's what made me great. It wasn't my X's and O's. It was the fact that I've even told athletes, you can't fail enough and lose enough for me not to believe in you. So if you continue to want to fail to try to prove me wrong, just know it's a waste of your time. Right. So I had to learn to continue to believe in the unseen. And sometimes it's hard for us because we don't have control of the outcome. Got it. We don't have control of the outcome. And we're going to ask God to turn us around first and not our child. That's the most important. And then work through us. Mm Mm-hmm. And work with us and work through us. Right. Work with me to help me, work through me to help others, Um, including my family members. And the the most dangerous things that we do is project based upon a present behavior. Because who they are may change. They grow. We grew. Absolutely. So Bev, we could be here for two more hours, but I want to just say thank you, thank you, thank you. Such perfectly timed reminders for myself and I'm sure for many of us on the call today. So thank you for being here. So appreciate you and and all of these wonderful tips and advice. So turning it over to Kelly Chapman for a closeout prayer. Thank you again. Thank you, Bev. Lord, we thank you for Bev Kearney and her willingness to speak with us today. We thank you for her compassionate heart and for her words of wisdom. Today, Lord, we humbly ask for your guidance. We are certainly overwhelmed as we try to raise our children amidst their mental illness and addiction challenges. Yet we know, Lord, that we have ignored the direct calls to put on our own mask first and take care of ourselves. We are too consumed with our own problems, with trying to fix others, with our busyness, with our stress, with our depression, with our guilt, with our complete sadness, that we weren't ready to deal with ourselves. So we turn to you, Lord. We delight at the thought of rest. Give us rest, Lord. Pick us up out of the mud and the mire and put a new song in our mouths. Change our hearts, oh God. We know that it's time. We look forward to the testimonies that come from our commitment today. Today is a new day, a new beginning. We thank you for the difference starting today. In your son's name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. Everyone have a beautiful week. I'm Kelly Richardson Lawson, and you've been listening to the Sunrise Project podcast. 
you can follow Sunrise wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, open your podcast app and follow this show. Join us next week for another gathering of support. Thank you for listening. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental wellness challenges, contact your doctor, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or both. You can reach NAMI's helpline at 800-950-6264, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or email at info at NAMI.org. Volunteers are working to answer questions, offer support, and provide practical next steps. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.